Hey folks and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing Insidious and Insidious Chapter 2, directed by James Wan. We have Insidious Chapter 3 by Lee Winnell, Insidious The Last Key by Adam Robitel, and finally, newly released Insidious The Red Door, directed by Patrick Wilson. It's going to be a spooky, scary episode, folks, so stay tuned and enjoy. Vincent Daly, how we doing, buddy? Yeah, how's it going, Tom? Are we sponsored by Blumhouse Schlock this week? <laughs> What's going on here? What's going on? <laughs> you warned us for weeks this was, we, this was I, on the horizon. I know. I, I should have warned myself, uh, man. <laughs> and also, like, not that scary. You know, spooky scary? Not that scary. Not I that moved, scary, actually. Folks, I moved into a new place, and if there is anything to sell that these are not that scary, is I watched them all alone in, in the new <laughs> apartment. So uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't really shaking on these. So. <laughs> um, insidious, so this is a good... It's a good five slot. That's why we're doing it with, with exactly. the new one that came out. Yep. Do you know these films well? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, I, I haven't seen any of these films. Um, for me, I stayed away for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, you know, I don't like Blumhouse. I don't like Patrick Wilson. I don't like James Wan. You know? <laughs> it's just a plethora. But, you know, if there's anything that the podcast is about, it's it's watching all different types of movies, finding out taste and founding out what, you know, I can call heads or tails. Yeah, on. and if we could do a series, call this a series sweep, um, <laughs> that's just our benefit. It's nice having exactly. all those on there. And this is scheduled to be the final one, correct? I think so. Uh, I pray. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, really hope so. <laughs> they're, they're all unbelievably financially successful. Yeah. I mean, yep. unbelievably financially right. successful. They're short on the runtime, so they can pack it in on the theater. It's, yeah. Uh, this fifth movie, still same short runtime. Yep. Still the highest bu- budget by far. Mm-hmm. Only $16 million. Wow. I mean, it's ridiculous. So it's yeah. already it already made its money back and then some already. Yeah. And it's yeah. only been out for, what, a week? Not yeah. even? Yeah, for real. A weekend and a, few, a couple for days? Real. You know, I can critique James Wan's filmmaking, but he knows how to run a machine. And this is, you I know, guess. he's going to get his returns. They're all rated poorly, it seems like. Yeah. I, I just don't get it. But there's a there's a cult following for this film, for yeah. this franchise, big yeah. time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's maybe some opening notes if you want me to jump into that, unless you got anything else. Or? No, I mean, we could just jump into it. I'm assuming a lot happened with Insidious. This this got everybody riled up, and yeah, that's the, I feel like the cult following started there, right? And it just right. hasn't let up. It's certainly not the last key. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, all right, we'll get okay. Let's just jump right back into it. So the first one is just Insidious. This mm-hmm. is 2010. It's rated PG-13, not mm-hmm. rated R. Yeah. So I guess it can only get so spooky and scary. And it had a million and a half dollar budget. 
and made uh, an insane amount of money. Insane, insane returns. I, I think in the end it made a hundred million. Oh, so wow. the returns wow. are massive. Yeah, yeah. No and that's why Juan's in Hollywood, and I'm not, honestly, because <laughs> he, he knows he can separate the the creative side from it to to just make something that's gonna not cost a lot and and hit on the returns. I mean, that is he's he's really gonna knock it out of the park. Yeah, we would have lost that bet definitely. Yeah, yeah. Did we do a James Wan recently? Uh yes, he did Furious Seven, right, and right. Uh, you hated that one. Actually. Yeah, and we'll be with Juan before the end of the year as well. He does Aquaman one and two, so <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's the year of Juan. Uh, Insidious, <laughs> 2010. Vin, how did we like it? Uh, well, this one does have a, a good reputation here. Uh, some some notes for the entire franchise, just so I'm not repeating myself. You know, some some pre work here. Yes, go for it. Uh, you know, the horror is usually built in the background of scenes. Uh, scares here will come across behind characters you'll see someone run in the background there's going to be a character in the shadows in one scene but not the other for a lot of audiences people find this a to be a good style this is a style where it's not a jump scare it's building kind of an atmosphere core that you're at least paying attention to the screen to catch these little moments yeah. so uh, props where props is due how this feels in in especially for insidious one is basically you have a standard shot of a character reverse shot who they're talking to and then when they when we come back to the first character there is a scary figure in you know in behind them the right, character's okay. usually not aware of it so I'll call it a reveal scare instead of a jump scare, basically. <laughs> and with these just being all PG-13, is it like, it, could you say it's comfortably scary? A, a comfortable I, horror film. That's 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 what I mean. I, I, I was uh, a little bit a little bit cautious watching these in the new place, and I, I wasn't scared. <laughs> it wasn't an <laughs> issue. Know? Yeah. Lights off and everything. Okay. I mean, <laughs> Not checking behind me or anything, but yeah, this 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 formula, if you will, like a jump scare, is not without jump scares though. Uh, the scares that come across towards the end of the film all boil down to these same predictable jump scares you get with Blumhouse. So my point is that. Yes, for the build-up, there might be some atmospheric horror in something that you catch in the corner of the frame that right. our, you know, our characters are specifically not aware of. Uh, but when the real scares of the finale come along, they all just boil down to jump scares. Uh, in fact, the title sequence of all of these films is often scarier than the films themselves. I oh, mean, really? Yeah, the main, like, insidious, when it comes on, there's this, like, strong string hit of just, like, violence going crazy and... I mean, it looks scary. I don't know what's behind it, though. So, but yeah, Insidious. Ah, uh, uh, yes, my en- uh, arch enemy, James Wan. <laughs> we are back at it. Just when you think you're safe, he jump scares you with yet another movie he's produced. <laughs> you know, just to, just to understand why Wan is a a name you should recognize. Uh, his his kind of. Horror Trinity is Saw, Insidious, and the Conjuring franchise, and these are all massive, if not the the biggest horror franchises in the last twenty years. Yeah, I mean Saw alone. So 
when it comes to that, you know, Juan's work stretches a lot of different quality, and that's just talking about specifically what he's directing. We've covered The Oddball from 2021, Malignant, giving that a whopping 29. <laughs> uh, and, and like we mentioned, Juan uh, most recently popped up with uh, Furious 7, giving a whopping 34. So, yeah, his percentage uh, streak is not good. Right, the batting average, not not great. Really not, uh, <laughs> can't hold a candle with, uh, or whatever, to in a retour or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, in a Hughes is smoking them. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not good. And uh, we will touch base with Juan one more time for Aquaman 1 and 2. Uh, oh, joy. But... From what I hear, he kind of hit on a dis- interesting stride with Aquaman 1. I've never seen Aquaman 1, so kind of, I don't know, maybe. This this week has kind of yeah, made me a little bit interesting. I, I thought know. Aquaman sucked, didn't it? <laughs> I, 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 I it thought either. so, too. Okay. Yeah, but We'll find out. Else, yeah, Maybe it's just the DC fanboys on that one. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, of course, this brings up my favorite punching bag, Blumhouse Productions, mm-hmm. uh, all over these. Um, and... With us touching on the disappointing hype of Mithrigan earlier this year, uh, I was not happy to see this uh, come out. But the cream of the crop I was hoping to rise to the top is writer Lee Winnell. Lee is just as much as a horror legend uh, as Juan. You know, this franchise really is his baby. He will go on to direct one of these himself. I believe it's chapter three that he directs, right? Correct. Has a notable acting role in all five of these as the ghost hunting character Specs. So, um, you know, I was I was kind of interested as well. Just that that's the dive, and maybe that sparks interest for folks at home as well. Uh, but enough foreplay. We can get down to it. It is insidious. In us <laughs> inside us. Someone please kill me <laughs> it is not a great is, pun it's, is that what it's supposed to be it's supposed to be inside us yeah yeah how terrible is that? i didn't know that <laughs> I, I didn't know that at all yeah yeah oh my god yeah so <laughs> for this first film uh, it starts as an emotional story with a kind of a medical spin uh, a family of five live in the usual domestic life when one of their three children doesn't wake up from an apparent coma this little boy, played by Ty Simpkins, all the way into the new, newest one, uh, falls, hurting himself and entering into a realm called the Further. The Further is definitely our our big plot, uh, big set piece. Uh, the Further is basically a shadow world where ghosts are, uh, and in between, if you're a Stranger Things fan, the Upside Down, I mean, you know, a shadow world in concept, okay. the shadow realm of it. And while he sleeps, his body is an open vessel for spiritual powers and lost souls around him. And that's basically the setup that we're always interacting with the further in some way. And this one, it's through the little boy's boy in a coma through his sleep. The first hour is filled with a super generic setup and payoff structure. Something spooky happens to the mom. The dad comes home and rolls his eyes, and it's just so, it's just painfully repeats. It's just, man. Eventually, we find out that there might be a reason why the father is so oblivious, but so many people have had experiences with the further without even knowing it. I think the further is an interesting concept as the shadow world, because basically that becomes the backbone, and a few other characters, like the ghost hunter characters, in why this series is a series at all. The oddest thing about this is that this first, you know, uh, this first uh, movie 
continues to the second one, but the third one that's called Chapter Three has nothing to do about the family. It's right. a prequel. Yeah, totally different. Yeah, it follows so, the, go- the witch hunter kind of, the yeah, ghost hunter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear some of your comparisons. <laughs> <laughs> what you think this might be? You're not going to surprise me with a Tom and Two Shoes, right? I sadly not. Yeah. <laughs> probably for the best. Uh, overall, though, this first film is a flip on the Exorcist. Uh, the medical scramble of the first hour is mixed with the confusion of these hauntings but instead of a religious or exorcism solution the movie stylistically aligns itself with ghost hunters and the paranormal specialists Uh, in other words crooks (laughs) Uh, this comes out in 2010 and it makes total sense riding the wave of shows like ghost adventures or even pure blumhouse horror franchises like paranormal activity right yeah uh just having its second film uh in 2010 and this first one and only this first one is not attached to blumhouse yet oh really yeah they haven't picked it up yet oh wow okay i want to be i want to maybe uh good catch yeah blumhouse maybe him personally Uh put some money into it but Mm. as far as you know the studio uh, blumhouse is not attached to it quite yet uh, and uh, who boy does does all of this just set the pace for just an absolute snoozer? I mean, maybe this PG thirteen just was not doing it for me, but uh, you know, there there are some opinions online that really, really praise the film for sparing use of drum scares and how that horror is revealed. The the revealed scare. Yeah. It's not a jump scare. It's just the <laughs> revealed scare. Uh, but I think it's all been there, done that, even for 2010. This is not just me looking at this with, you know, fresh eyes in 2023. The generic new fa- new house feels haunted. The played out pacing of the father not believing in anything. It was actually painful for me. I mean, I mean this. It was really <laughs> painful. And it's just that straightforward, folks. It's There's this... There's nothing to this. Uh, I just kept on saying, are we really doing this? And yeah. All one of these films, in every one of these films. Are we <laughs> you really doing this? kind of write it out from the start, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I absolutely despise Patrick Wilson as listeners to the podcast, you know, folks, you, you know. Um, who who plays the, he plays the father here and becomes the backbone of at least their own trilogy being one, two, and five. Right, yep. Uh, three and four is it's on its own little like side adventure, the ghost side adventure. <laughs> <laughs> this character is just so critically ignorant of the horror, and it's just such a bad performance. I, I, I thought him in Moonfall was going to be the worst, but wow. I was wrong. I mean, he is just terrible across the board This here. is big talk. Yeah, I don't even know if people, if the name can actually conjure up an image for people. Right, well, and then he's in the contract. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I know. That. Uh, but when you would see him, you'd be like, oh, okay, that guy. Exactly. And he's not anything of anything ever. Uh, yeah, he brings nothing to this fatherhood uh, performance. He brings nothing to, as he gets deeper and deeper into the uh, supernatural world, ghost hunters or the actual further included. Right, yeah. It's just, it's just such a such a weak performance. I mean, anyone can pretend like they're shaking in a chair, you know, as a ghost attacks them. It's just like, th- there's nothing to it, Patrick. He's a know? bad actor. Yeah, yeah. He's a bad actor. He's real bad. He's, and then <laughs> he directs the new one, so you'll see. Uh, the only praise that I will give this film is that the evil spirits around the family are done entirely practically and avoids any CGI. Certainly a result, or certainly a byproduct of them having such a cheap budget. Uh, and once again, 
credit to Juan for making such a Love phenomenal f- vehicle yep. for for getting money. Basically, it's a million and a half dollars, man. I mean, it's yeah. very impressive. Exactly. Uh, I, I feel like though this this these practical effects were particularly effective in placing actors in the same room to give us a scare that feels like a serious threat since they're so close at times. It really felt mm. like. You know, even if you did like a CGI ghost in the same room, there was there was something that was much more menacing about, whoa, this is a person in the space of this family. Right, sure. That gets less and less as we go on, but this first one had that going for it. Each time these films have many spirits thrown in the mix, they always also have one big baddie ghost. Uh, and without a doubt, the best one is here. Um, forgive me for, I mean, I don't know how they named it this, but the man with fire on his face. <laughs> Come on, this is bad. We could workshop this <laughs> yeah, in <we> could. <laughs> an afternoon and come up with probably a hundred better names. Uh, not bad, yeah. Um, it's not only some solid horror design to him, but holds only probably the only enjoyment of the film that it has to offer. Clocked up with a Tiny Tim song, tiptoe through the tulips. And you get a good mix. A little of, creepy, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think uh, to your question earlier. You know, how did this strike such a chord? How did it become a franchise off this one? I think it's pretty much on the man with fire on his face. You know, it's 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 in the kind of a razzle-dazzle of right. like, whoa, this is much more theatrical than the entire movie was going for, even if that name is god-awful. <laughs> <laughs> but it brings me no joy to say that the return of this ghost is teased each time in each of the sequels with, with no goods to show for it. Uh, uh, <laughs> closest thing I can compare it to is the T-Rex that screams at the end of every Jurassic Park. Oh, nice. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice <laughs> yeah. one, yeah. Basically, that's 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 him. So, folks, there are a plethora of better movies than this. If you really want this style of horror, please look to alternatives. The Exorcist from 73, if you like this medical spin to it. The Omen from 76, if you want your creepy kids. And, and Christ, the, the creepy house or found footage vibes are literally a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, the only thing stylistically that I think this covers is that Ghost Hunter aesthetic. Granted, that's all five of these movies. That Ghost Hunter aesthetic, I don't know. It's 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 done so specifically like Ghost Adventures, that Zack guy or whatever. It's like yeah. guys in white shirts <laughs> yeah. and ties, and they have like different devices and whatnot. And that certainly captures a, a subgenre of horror, uh, especially in the 2010s. I personally don't watch those shows, and like I said, they're all crooks anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I can't imagine this hitting too hard for a fan of that kind of genre, and if it does, guess what? We got four more. We're going to go ahead and give Insidious 2010, 44. <laughs> Ooh, okay, 44. <laughs> Almost better than I thought, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was just kind of funny. Like I'm not, <laughs> we're not expecting much out of these. That's for sure. <laughs> right. Forty four. We'll see where it goes from here. And you're right because any aspect of this film, there's better somewhere else. Yeah, it's so true. I, I think even so. if you're a big Wan fan, like right, Saul is just I'm, absolutely yeah. night and day. Yeah. Or even The Conjuring, I, which okay, sure. God knows I'm gonna. Have to <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Saw Ten is coming out in. Uh, 
You can do whatever you want with that. No, no, no one's looking for a series special. Yeah, uh, certainly not doing another ten spot. I think one ten spot a year, maybe. No, <laughs> and I think everyone would understand that. I think everyone would be cool with it. Yeah. Uh, specifically for this first one, because the budget's so low, it, it's, it's low on all of them, but a million and a half. Yeah. How confined are we to one location, like in the house? Uh, well, that's actually some very smart production work. The 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 house is identical when they go in the further. It's just blue and moody and and smoke filled okay. so uh it is the house but it doesn't feel like one house because oh, okay, we do right. get some remixes of it if you will all right so we will keep it going we're in two this is they come out very close together yeah. uh that was 2010 this is 2013 this is just insidious chapter two james wan is back yeah and like you said one and two definitely go hand in hand together yep, yep. so what do we get with chapter two so chapter two really picks up as as direct of a sequel as possible, uh, and I'll get into that in just a second. After this, Juan does depart and o- only becomes a producer role, uh, moving on to The Conjuring films along with Patrick Wilson. Uh, so he basically you know, he takes him, and I don't know if he was really attached to Patrick. So he's know? like the De Niro to Scorsese. <laughs> That's what... <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> the Jackson Samuel yep. to, uh, to Tarantino. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You can't get away from them. It's just a Blumhouse version. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, this is a direct sequel starting us off with the bombastic conclusion of the first film. And by doing this, we center even more on Patrick Wilson, uh, to my absolute dismay. Uh, as the fate of his soul was left in the balance by the events of the last film. Through this focus, uh, we find more about his past with sleepwalking, ghosts that have haunted him over the years, and the further in flashbacks to 1986. So this was a a big one for our boy Pat, which thankfully we take a break from, and the whole family included in Chapter 3 in The Last Key, which uh, I was actually very, very happy of. (laughs) The film swaps in style a bit. Uh, instead of ripping off elements from The Exorcist, it's now ripping off elements of The Shining. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm... just repurpose it, baby. Right. Repurpose right. It. I, I spotted it like a... <laughs> right away. Right away. Um, got that Hawkeye on it. <laughs> uh, Patrick is this campy, unhinged version of himself. And while you think that might lead to some fun or scary scenes, it just flat out doesn't. In fact, this is still one bland-ass horror that makes you wait the entire first hour for the horror that should have been coming out swinging. We should have hit the ground running with the horror. And this could have been so unique. And and you know what? this movie specifically chapter two is terrible really because it it it, well one it's making me have to work for the reviews after (laughs) after the first one i was like all right i I could almost set cruise control on the on the whole franchise i got it i got it nailed down but man you know this movie is so much worse because of what it squanders in potential it really it really just destroys whatever momentum this idea as a concept as right. electricity could have had and the screen. idea is after the first film we're all primed and ready to go yeah so then you, there's no like you said there's a whole hour kind of build up to everything Absolutely. in the first one so now especially if it's a direct sequel mm-hmm. we should have hit, hit the, the ground running exactly. we have yeah, yeah. yet another hour until we, oh, really? we have to wait <laughs> I swear to God. 
<laughs> it's formulaic in such a a worse way than I even expected. It, it, it's mind blowing. How do you not just just work with the electricity of this concept of you now have this intruder in the house? Uh, it, it's ridiculous. The premise of Patrick being crazy <laughs> could have been this fun Jack Nicholson Kubrick style horror that just hits the ground running coming off the first film. Instead, we get the same movie with the hysterical wife as she's seeing ghosts and have to wait until basically the last yeah. 30 minutes to see anything remotely interesting from Wacky Pat, basically. Okay, I'm glad you said hysterical wife, because <laughs> she comes across as super hysterical. Like, she's yeah. very good at... I find her very agitating to watch right. in anything. <laughs> she's in a scanner darkly, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Uh, interesting callback. I think, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's her. I, I find her very annoying. I find yeah. her really annoying. So I can see how that's... Maybe she's in the right role, you yeah. know? It's like I, Skyler I, in Breaking Bad. <laughs> right. Plays it great, but utterly just difficult to watch. Right. Uh, a note on Patrick Wilson, though. Do you think, because you said trying to be ultra campy, yada, yada. Do you think if he was good at acting and good at his job, it would almost be a, um, what's the guy's name in the first two Evil Deads? Uh, uh, Bruce Campbell. Right. Like uh, sure. Bruce Campbell is like the one thing that's good because he's over the top sometimes. Absolutely. You know what right. I mean? it, it could have gone in such a unique direction. And most importantly, pacing could have just really, I mean, this could have just uh, well, been that's... a dynamite film because of how it's set up to come out of the gate. This is going to be great. This is going to be great research because we have, we're going to, we get to see Aquaman 1 to Aquaman 2. Right. And if he crushes it, we have this, we can call it the James Wan effect or something like <laughs> right, that. Being right. utter, utterly just unintelligent when it comes to making the second film. <laughs> Right. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I mean, when it comes down to it, though, I just, I just, I cannot stress how much uh, wasted potential. Here's an idea. You Maybe, were aggravated watching. Oh this. my god! Like impossibly so. And that's why I was like, man, this. I was watching. I was like, oh, I have to work now on this. You know, I thought this was going to be one of the easy ones. You know, the in betweens. Uh, you know, here's an idea. Maybe instead of Patrick being ignorant towards the ghost again. Maybe he's actually gaslighting his wife in some way. This could allow for the structure to be the same, but uses these sinister plot developments in his character to actually be used in the story. Mm. But no, we get everyone wasting your time until the finale. Seriously, the finale is the only thing new here and should have been an add-on in special features to the Blu-ray of the original Insidious. Like that That's how <laughs> little happens in this movie. It's just so mind-blowing how all of these Blumhouse films play keep away with what you really want to see. There's just yeah. such little meat on the bones. Yeah, when you're dealing with an hour and 40-ish, hour 45, which these all are, Get to it, baby. Get I know. To that, it. that really was the only saving grace here. I mean, hour 47 might be my new new favorite number. But still, if you're wasting <laughs> an hour yeah. of just setup again for the second film. Right. Winona Ryder, by the way, is in Scanner Darkly, not Rose Byrne. <laughs> Rose, Rose, they look, they remind, they're very similar actresses, in my opinion. Because Winona Ryder is very <laughs> I, you, annoying. You might need to unpack that, <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to press okay. you on it. Winona Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a quick comparison. Oh, sure, okay, sure. Okay, not to, again, just explode this whole review. Um, <laughs> Winona Ryder in Stranger Things, mm -hmm. how she's just like, oh, just frazzled. lost mother. Yeah. Rose Byrne in this. Okay, fair. Okay. Fair. I like it. <laughs> Save myself <laughs> on that one. He's off the hook. <laughs> he's off the hook. While all this plays out, though, uh, with wacky Pat, that's not wacky, Patrick's mother investigates all of the past hauntings with the ghost hunters from the last film. And we have the usual shaky cinematography, uh, 
with a lot more hand cam ghost adventure styles footage. This is your green night vision, your gadgets everywhere. I feel like it's really clocked up here. And I bring it up because I didn't mind the cinematography. If you really love that ghost adventuring kind of like found footage style, maybe this hits. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But and found footage can be good. You love Blair Witch, sure, sure. You love Blair Witch. Absolutely. That was a big surprise actually last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the whole ghost, go, like you know, the industry behind the ghost people that come mm-hmm. in and try to find the ghost. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I know, I know. But that that's a sh- one thing. I don't think cinematography was lacking, and there was definitely intentional developments there. So, uh, also, I know this isn't an action movie, but the confrontations look really, really bad in this film. There is a scene where the ghost hunters get into a bit of a tussle, and the fat one falls on the skinny one, leaving him like helplessly turtling on the ground. And I, was, I, I said out loud, "Are you kidding me?" Like, <laughs> I know, listen, I'm not expecting like a John Wick sequence in the action department of this PG-13 hour and 47 horror film, but oh my God, like you can't like be, I don't know, improv, I don't know, come up with something that he's not just, the guy gets pushed over and he's crushing the other friend, eliminating any conflict in the room, like it's terrible. Um, but flat out not worth it, folks. Maybe if you really enjoy the first, there's a slightly interesting interweaving of these two movies, but otherwise steer clear and maybe just watch the finale on YouTube if you're really curious. We're going to go ahead and give Insidious Chapter 2 a 25. Okay! (laughs) I like it! (laughs) That's what I need to get. Going down. Get your attention. (laughs) I'm here. I'm with you. I like it, though. You know, we need to get some, you know, the Tom Dailies are coming up in five months here. You know, need need some good films here. Yeah, you need some ammo. 25%. 25%. I can't wait to see where this goes. Uh, 25% for Insidious Chapter 2. I would have thought, I would have put money down on better than one. Mm. Where oftentimes, I mean, oftentimes the second film is not as good. Sure. But when, when you have something like this, yep. you just, you should know where to go. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And, no. I, and like I said, it certainly had potential. It certainly had potential. I think at this point is where I was like, oh, maybe I'm not curious about Lee Winnell's writing. Maybe I'm like, there's a reason yeah. why I stayed away in the early two. Maybe 2010s. if you get anything out of these five films, it's that. Because <laughs> right. you know James Wan is not good already. The poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're done with James Wan now. He's le- leaving things in shambles. Uh, that was 2013. We're jumped to 2015. This is just Insidious Chapter 3. Now this is the writer for all five, Lee Winnell, mm-hmm. now taking the director's spot. Uh, Blumhouse is still all behind this and everything yep. like that. So much of the crew is the same, same composer throughout the, all five films. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. How do we like three? What's different? You said that this one totally new story here. Yeah, totally new story. Uh, I, I and and Lee Winnell, he's he's acting in this as well. I think it shows because not only does the story separate itself from the sequel baggage, but it bumps up this ghost hunter element a lot. As you know, we are kind of looking at this this film i think uh, across all of these that is a secret ingredient uh, have these scores been great no so what is that secret ingredient good mm-hmm. for i don't know but it is a secret ingredient it is a, a stylistic <laughs> aspect to it so while chapter two was built directly on the events of the story and failed 
This film is a prequel set two years back before the first film. Uh, we lose Patrick Wilson's family, thank God, mm-hmm. and keep one of the stronger performances with Lynn Shay playing our psychic medium. Uh, these, if if the Wilson trilogy is is one two five, um, the Lynn duology, <laughs> the, the Lynn two parter, uh, is uh, three and four. Um, I didn't mention Lynn too much in the in the first two films, but. She she is a psychic medium that is part of the ghost hunting crew. Yeah, I mean, I, she, she's it's a, it's a decent performance. I, I, it's, there's a lot of praise for her performance in here. I absolutely think it's one of the strongest, if not the okay. strongest performance. And she's in all of them, yes? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, She shows right. up in some capacity. Okay. So. Right away, I'll say this is much better movie. I mean, uh, I, I didn't expect it at the last finish of, the, of, of chapter three here, but... <laughs> Using the general concept of the further being this kind of echoing beacon for evil spirits is handled much better here. Instead of the horror being tied to sleepwalking or worst Patrick's backstory, yeah. it's more of a straightforward haunting poltergeist setup with a refresh of the cast that lets the first time scares feel more impactful. I feel like another missing element of the second one is that when the when the wife freaks out about the ghost, it's like still, still ghosts, <laughs> and it's like yeah, that kind of takes away some of the scare in itself. Right, that yeah. they're almost expecting ghosts. Then uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's odd is that you know, regardless of this being called Chapter Three, is that it doesn't set itself up for a trilogy finale at all. And like I've said a few times now, folks, the real trilogy is one, two, five. And then if you really dig the further, or maybe you don't want to jump into 125 and you want to ex- kind of experience this ghost hunting further aspect, right. three and four serve as that kind of continuing adventures uh, with the gang. Yeah, the insidious uh, Expanded universe. universe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the mix-up we get in how the horror is presented goes from one cliche to another. Uh, instead of a haunted family house, our main focus is a teenage girl played by Stephanie Scott, uh, folks, it's probably been a good 50-plus episodes since I've talked about it, but give horror to the female leads on this one. Uh, I'm absolute girl power on this. You know, Is Stephanie the best actress? No, not at all. But when horror works, it works in a much simpler way because this little girl is terrified. Right, yeah, that's true. And I feel like that also works better for a demographic as well because this one's still PG-13? They're all. Yep, all of them. Wow. I mean... You know, I mean, if this is going to be more of a teen horror mm-hmm. in that sense, mm-hmm. then guess what? I mean, I think there's 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 just a uh, slightly better, you know, working aspect. The formula there. for it automatically, yeah. it's in the right direction. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. We do get a laughable performance from Dermot uh, Mulroney. Dermot Mul- yeah, Mulroney. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's the father. He's he's competing with Patrick for worst father, but Patrick edges him out with five. Uh, <laughs> his introduction scene just shows how bad the writing can be at times. Just such a generic, not in in the loop single dad. It's it's just really laughable. I, again, another moment where okay, I was so saying, all the are male we really suck. doing this? Like, are we really doing this? All the male leads suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Circling back to Lin Shay, um, uh, this entry is kind of her swan song uh, as she was the unspoken hero of the series so far. She gets a good character arc here and while I was able to enjoy it a tiny bit more knowing where it'll lead, I still think this one will be good on its own. And I know well, that's crazy to say. Like, why would you just jump into chapter three? But... Well, if it stands alone, that's fine. It does. It's, it... a, pre- it's a prequel, correct? Yeah. yeah well, yeah. then there you go. I feel like it's just like, it, it's an odd recommendation to make just because it's like, oh, check out chapter three first. It just, 
just it's yeah like, I, why why make it that right way? i get that yeah if, if you're looking at this stuff kind of episodically though a little bit i mean if you just it, yeah it's weird to say start with the third film <laughs> yeah. but if you're doing chronological it makes sense yeah yeah exactly and star wars doesn't make sense yeah. <laughs> fair enough fair <laughs> enough lynn's performance has always been you know pretty decent in these films if only to be a bit annoying in her momness. you know her ability to just be a mom in the in the midst of all this mm, horror mm-hmm. uh especially when the scares clock up but uh um, I really do think her focus here, uh, definitely a good mark. Uh, I think she is a much better lead as she has the solutions when it comes down to us getting exposed to the further uh, as a concept, especially with this new batch of characters. Uh, she has a lot on her shoulders to give exposition and not have it really be bogging down the horror, which mm. is uh, not a not an easy line to walk, especially with how much uh, lore kind of builds up in the series around the further and what happens there and where the evil spirits versus the good spirits and, and shit like that. And just like the first movie, we get a solid big bad ghost to bring it all together, continuing in the asinine naming convention... Here we get the man who can't breathe. Again. Okay, so it's... it's I, I, like a gun door heads, we could probably come up with a hundred names. Like, Okay, so yes. Yeah, so, so this is the... So each big baddie of the film is the man who... Right. Okay, all right. I mean, no, not exactly. No, there's... Uh, the second one is the... I think the woman in black... Uh, Boy, I'll be pressed to remember. Oh, oh, la- <laughs> last key is uh, is the key man. Uh, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, okay, yeah. so this is bad. That's bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, with this film, how there's five of them, they have to do with the secret dimension and everything like this. This reminds me of, oh, mm, kind of, that horror franchise that's centered around the box that releases... Oh, the, uh, Hellraiser. Hellraiser, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And all of them have their own individual name, and this mm, Hellraiser does this, callback. and this one does this. The, the very unusual horror callback from you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, um, but the concept of that I love. Oh, yeah. And it's funny, you, the further you're not having an issue with, mm-hmm. it's everything else surrounding exactly. this. Exactly, yeah. Um, but I do remember those guys, the Hellraisers, each yeah. one has a very cool name. Oh, yeah. Compared to the man who can't breathe and this and that. <laughs> That's dumb. And talk about an actually scary movie. Like, if I watch the Hellraiser franchise this week in my yeah, new apartment. Well, <laughs> I, I couldn't sleep. I, I, I couldn't do it. Diminished so. Returns, though, because you rated yeah. a lot of those. Definitely Diminished Returns. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, they do get... And then uh, they rebooted it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they get into some, uh, I think, like some like biker <laughs> stuff. I don't know. It's like some <laughs> biker culture. I don't know. But yeah, um, it, Man Who Can't Breathe, name aside, pretty good. Uh, I would say second place for Big Ghost Batty out okay. of the five Insidious. So, Looks scary know. and everything like yep, that. Yeah, we got the ranking. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll put somewhere online. But um, he's used uh, consistently through the plot which makes a stronger through line in some of the other entries of the series just where they lack that. It's just like splashed in and it's like, okay, this is a a cool, big, bad, uh, evil ghost, uh, but it just doesn't hit. Um, the man who can't breathe hits a lot because he's constantly in this. This is almost our sole focus. And I'm not saying that's rocket science or anything like that. Right, it's right. screenwriting, but it works much better. <laughs> I'm just picturing <laughs> <laughs> Picture his main. This guy's main thing is shtick. The whole thing is just running around. Go. <gasps> <gasps> He's just gasping. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not too far from the truth. Not too far. 
but folks, oddly enough, I would say start here. If you're really dying to check out the series, you, you get some of the best ghost hunting beats. Um, it's a prequel, so you don't have to worry about series baggage. And while it's not great, uh, I feel it passes a certain bar that the other films simply don't. Uh, we're going to go ahead and give Insidious Chapter 3. A 54. 54. Maybe that bar is 50%. We'll see if anything <laughs> can, cross that, can cross that bar. 54. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I love that review, honestly. Hey. that's You're doing work there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, haven't, I didn't think I had to analyze just how keeping your villain in the story works better, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's it's not rocket science. Well, and, and competent main character, kind of. Yeah, you said that lame, whatever her name is, uh, Lin Shay. Yes, yeah, Lin Shay. Is, is... I, also, uh, I apologies, folks. I'm not using the character names. I'm just using the actors' names. That's fine. Uh, I could not be bothered <laughs> to remember <laughs> these characters' names. I think Lin's Elise. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. So you're good. You're good there. There we go. Uh, okay. All right. So that was 2015. We're jumping to 2018, folks. This is our fourth film. We're dropping the chapters. Mm. This is Insidious: The Last Key, not the last film. The Last Key. <laughs> this is now directed by Adam Robitel. So me not knowing anything with his genre, is he? Do we know him from things? No. Or, no. Oh, freshy. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Adam Robitel pretty much only does horror. Um, okay. His most recent films are the Escape Room movies. I have not heard great things about those movies, so hopefully he doesn't make a third one. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but that's about it. Okay, and, so uh, same writer we've been going yep. with this entire time, Lee mm-hmm. Winnell. What do we get? New director. We're changing up the name of the thing. How <laughs> <laughs> was the last one? This is really trying to take what clearly was a, a winning formula in, in Chapter 3, which, to be fair, I, I may be in the outlier of that among fans. I don't know if Chapter 3 really was the strongest or anything like that. Because you said away from kind of critical review stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you don't know what the main theory is of, of oh, ranking. ranking, right, good, exactly. Good. Well, this is the only one that matters, so that's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> when it comes down to it, you know, it is just more continuing adventures with Lynn and the Ghost Hunter crew. Uh, and that's not bad, but this movie gets very blockbustery in a bad way. And I'll go into probably a slew of comparisons to, <laughs> to, to illustrate that. But Okay, that kind of surprises me. Yeah. We still have low budgets. I'll just go through them real quick. Sure. First, sure. first one, one and a half million. Second one, five million. Uh, three and four. Uh, both uh, only ten million, okay, and hugely successful. <laughs> but still, ten million for a budget. You know what I mean, right? For, right. for um, film number four, I, I, it just surprised me that anything is mm. blockbuster-ish. You yeah. know, yeah, absolutely. It's just I don't know. It's that concept, and I think it's why we see so many horror films this year specifically. Is that I think studios are realizing these massive production budgets don't. You know, it's a gamble. It's 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 high such risk, high reward. Right so Post-COVID, go with such your a gamble. yeah, go with your mid range type of scripts, your mid range movies, and maybe when you make it big, well, guess what? That's fantastic. You blow it out. Yeah, I mean, ten, so, no, ten mil. This latest one is sixteen million. That the fact that that's the most expensive by far yeah. of all five of these, it's unbelievable. Because sixteen million is low budget indie at this yeah, point. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. So, so yeah. Just this whole time I was watching this, Tom, I was saying, "Oh, you know, my favorite fourth entry in the franchise, The Last Key, <laughs> the best name, The Last, Last Key." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by the way, uh, timeline as far as three and four go. Uh, this is one year after three and still one year before uh, Insidious okay. 1. Beautiful. So, uh, 
this one tries to copy the Lynn and Ghost Hunter focus of the last film, but becomes less of a horror film and more of a horror blockbuster. Occasionally, that switch-up can work uh, in a sequel. Uh, I would point to 2019's Doctor Sleep as accomplishing the impossible at being a sequel to The Shining. Uh, but here, the last key becomes more of a haunted house thrill ride than an actual horror experience or a horrifying uh, experience. Okay. Even it's uh, horror dressings um, somewhere in the nebulous cloud that uh, cool Catholic exists in. <laughs> <laughs> as a subgenre. Uh, our story is around the continuing spectral adventures of Lin Shay and her gang of ghost hunters, and once again taking place before Insidious uh, 2010 as well. Uh, and boy, does this outstay its welcome. Uh, the uh, Every bit of praise I had for the last film, it is blown out of control here. You know, I can understand the temptation to go with what worked. And I 100% recognize Lynn's character at being the best on screen in any of these movies. But it is overkill and handled with so uh, just so much sloppier. It's just, oh my god. It is god-awful. No joke, she turns into a Taken-style Avenger character. Um, This also slightly reminded me of the (laughs) bad character writing in 2018's Girl in the Spider's Web, which we did a... Oh, good callback. Yeah, we did a, a special on Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, all the films, and... No less in the same year of 18. I don't know what was in the water, but man, let me tell (laughs) you, they want to make these superheroes out of characters that were never meant to be superheroes or these, these, you know, vengeful Batman types, you know, that they... That they have, like, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just bad. It's just bad. And because of this, by the end, I hated Lynn's character and was annoyed oh, by the wow. plot beats that were so forced, so shoveled down my throat that no one was asking That's for. such a shame. It's such yeah. a shame. They ruined the last good character wow. of these movies. <laughs> we see Lynn growing up in childhood, um... Which sets the stage for her house being the basically the setting, which we return to for the haunt. The flashback format continues throughout the investigation, giving us a chance to puzzle things together. Once again, I would call this kind of mixed blockbuster horror thriller. And that thriller side is that there is a little bit more of a mystery uh, than normal here. Okay. Thankfully, there is not a lot of downtime in this one, which I greatly appreciate. If there's anything that I'm appreciating about Last Key is that it really it, it, it's it's kind of what I complained about in two in the sense that it's just coming out swinging. I mean, it is scary for the whole runtime. Uh, and uh, that, good. you know, that maybe sounds like it's uh it could potentially be a knock, you know, depending if the, the scares got boring at the end. Okay. Uh, but I, I think it's a good thing. I think the pacing, I was really appreciative that they just kind of got down to it. We know the format. It's Lynn and the Ghost Hunters. It's Scooby-Doo. You know, <laughs> We're just getting down to another mystery, basically. The haunt investigation takes place over multiple nights as well, and so we aren't just waiting around the whole movie for the finale, unlike that first and second film. You know, there's... It has to build it up to the one haunt when they, you know, start investigating the paranormal activity. Here, because we're just kind of another day in the life of Lynn and her crew, 
we're, we're dealing with multiple things, and I think that's, again, a good structure for kind of creating these plot beats or, or horror beats for the film. But this blockbuster horror style just does not work. Uh, this has a lot, and I mean a lot, of tacky series callbacks. Really comes from the same school writing as the Han Solo movie and creating explanations mm. for... Things that no one gave two shits about. <laughs> I mean, no one was asking these questions, and and the the reveal of their of their lore is uh, is. I mean, I I can't even be grateful slightly for them revealing it. It's, it's wasted time. Uh, but I suppose it, it again. This might work for a fan of the franchise. If there is any hardcore fan of the franchise, uh, they're out there. Yeah, they're they have clearly to be. out there. <laughs> I just uh, it just didn't work for me, uh, and uh, I just took nothing away from it. And I feel like it itself takes away from the horror. Uh, this is that blockbuster aspect. Is that it's it's I don't know. It's trying to be like this franchise fan service, and what suffers the most is the horror. Yeah. That's that's a that's a that's a bad that's that's a real critical fail there. So, <laughs> one of the better aspects uh, is the ghost hunter duo Tucker and Specs, uh, who are given a lot more time on screen. I, I would say it works, uh, but there is a lot more comedic moments, which um, surprised me that I actually kind of liked. But once again, it was kind of halfway through this movie, and I was just, I was just like, well, I'm not going to hold a torch for this being a hardcore you know horror movie. Yeah, would you say this is the most PG-13? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, especially just just how certain things are handled with just character motivations and powers and yeah, it's ridiculous. For this reason, I would really put this in the supernatural action thriller kind of subgenre and it's because it's surprisingly popcorn. It's surprisingly popcorn in the way that that girl in the spider web took a character and put her in a mold that just did not make sense. Yeah. It's almost identical here. Hmm. Uh, and I think in 2018, there was just probably a lot of pressure uh, for cinematic universes and the looming, you know, superhero money-making machine, and, and studios were responding to that, mm. or, or screenwriters were responding to that. Uh, the writing overall here is a lot worse than this, and as I mentioned, in comparison to the third movie specifically for what is done with Lynn's character, I would say the rationale to keep the plot moving and even why we bother with the investigation at all is just so loose. It's just like... Why is this a plot? Why, why is this a story? It's ridiculous. And that's where this kind of haunted house thrill ride um, aspect comes into play. I feel like the time spent in the plot will push it forward regardless of anything. Uh, it's just that we're locked into the ride and we're not going anywhere for the runtime. It's just about getting to the next jump scare or series callback that fans can... I don't know, crack a smile at? We're going to go ahead and give Insidious the last key, a 30 on the dot. Okay, 30 on the dot. <laughs> oh, man, this is great. Okay, so... Yeah, oh, man, this is... Probably the one that you had some hope for, at least, coming off of Chapter 3, that they yeah. just ruined everything. Uh, I know, it, it's just... it's. And who's who do you think is more to blame? Fresh director or this same writer? I think it's maybe Winnell, yeah. uh, as 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 much as that pains me to say, because again, if uh, I think the critique across the board is pointed towards Winnell, because mm -hmm. it's always about characters, it's always about predictability, genericness, 
you know, that has been my tune I've been singing. Yeah, so. all kind of crap. Yeah, so, and I, unfortunately, I mean, I, I was really curious because Winnell wrote on, I believe, the first three Saw movies, and then this kind of became his his baby, he stars in it and everything like that, and he directs the one. Uh, but to uh, to not say that it's on the back of writing that I don't like these movies. Yeah, it says, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's saying a lot for this yeah, guy. Yeah, this is the guy. So. Okay, all right, Finn. Uh, well, before we get to our last film, folks, remember, we are going off the value for value model here. So are you finding this valuable? Are you, know, are you happy that Vin <laughs> is taking a lot of his time so you don't have to take up a lot of yours <laughs> watching some of these movies? Um, is my pain valuable? <laughs> yeah. The idea behind it is the podcast, the website, the newsletter. Uh, is that value to you? Is that value in your pocket? Are you enjoying it in your life, basically? And the point is, can you send us back some value? You can put some value back in our pockets. You go to thedailyratings.com. You go to the donations tab. And through monetary support, one, you become a producer of the Daily Ratings. You show us that you get value from what we're doing here. And you can write a note along with it. We're going to read it here right on the podcast. That's kind of how we set up. That's how we're taking care of things. Again, you can go to the website and donate. I want to take a quick second too for all those podcasting 2.0 folks out there mm. um, i'm not gonna go into a deep dive of it and everything <laughs> like that if you, you know you know right if you know what's going on with podcasting 2.0 you're in the know like you just said vin but uh listen we can we take satoshis and everything like that we're on podverse we're on fountain uh we're good to go so you can send us some of that if you're into it uh you can find it through the site or you can find us on those apps as well uh also we have a venmo if you just want a venmo and you're listening on your phone want to send us some quick cash at the daily ratings at venmo Hey, go for it. If the text box isn't enough, everyone who donates, whether it be through Satoshi's or on the website or mm-hmm. through Venmo, mm-hmm. hit us up at tom.vin at thedailyratings.com. Basically, you can just email us there yep. if your text box given is not good enough or something like that. And that's always where we encourage uh, communication as well. If you're not looking to donate any, if you're not looking to have that read on the podcast, but want to send us a note in some capacity, tom.vin at thedailyratings.com. Definitely uh, where to go to for that. Yeah. Exactly. It's a great communication for us and everything like that. So again, all different kinds of way for you to send your money. If you like a certain way, we're trying to make it easy for everybody. You know, Uh, the bigger thing is we don't want to deal with advertisers. That's why we're doing the value for value. We also don't want to deal with things like Patreon right now where you have a tier structure. Give us five bucks a month and you get extra content. Give us $25 a month and you get the most content that there is or something like that or a free (laughs) mug or whatever this. Listen, five bucks is different to person A from person B to person C. The point is, what is the value to you? Um, we kind of leave it up to you, and that's how we do it. It doesn't know, you know, the content's free, so everybody is <laughs> listening to free and enjoying it for free. That also is great, but just keep in mind, this takes a lot of work. Vin is sitting down and watching five films a week. He takes hours sitting down writing all of these notes out. <laughs> uh, it's not a small amount of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> everything keeping up with the website, we record and everything like that, the newsletter, everything that we kind of do, it is hours and hours, dozens of hours a week, basically. So yep. try not to forget about that if you uh, have been listening and everything like that. Uh, again, we appreciate all of you. The numbers are rising more and more. Please. Coming up on episode 100? Yes, 100 is right around the corner. So tell a friend, a family member, the guy behind you, checking out, talking about Rotten Tomatoes and how much he loves Insidious <laughs> or whatever like that. How much he adores Insidious. Get us in the conversation. It's where we want to be also so get the word out and stop by the dailyratings.com so it's all there for you folks we're trying to make it easy for you we're trying to be accessible and we're trying to just kind of produce and get some value out there in all different kinds of ways we appreciate you all so much once again and let's keep things going here vin Mm. with that let's go to our newest in theaters now film 
This is 2023's Insidious, The Red Door, directed by your boy, Patrick Wilson. <laughs> Again, we have the same writer in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Wilson is not writing. He's only directing, but he's certainly back on screen. What do we get <laughs> with the fifth installment of the Insidious film? Uh, well, Tom, it's as if my hate manifests itself into a living hell yes. on this one, because <laughs> Wilson is back. Wilson is back as the director, the actor, and also a center point of the story. Wonderful. So it's, yeah. Trifecta is really what we call it. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> He's really shooting for the stars. Not only is he attempting to act, uh, but he attempts to direct as well. Uh, and this feature debut uh, is his only film he plans to direct as of right now. Let's hope that stays shut. Uh, After 3 and 4 being a complete departure from Patrick Wilson and the crew, we finally return to the roots of the franchise. And I'll be honest, it was kind of a hanging question. Why did we, even in the end of the trilogy, depart from working with that family? Obviously, the reality is, you know, Patrick Wilson goes on The Conjuring, possibly wouldn't want to kind of cannibalize his own horror market. (laughs) Uh, But... (laughs) I'll tell you what, uh, <laughs> you know, this this coming this late to answer that question of the original trilogy for Wilson's family is just like, who's asking for this? I mean, <laughs> I, were people yelling, yes, please, the fifth Insidious film? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it knocked off Indiana Jones for, for Best Weekend. No way. It was number oh, one this right. weekend. right. That was on the newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's wild. Uh, so this right here, this right here is the real Patrick trilogy. So this is what we sign up for. We begin our story with the bombshell that, uh, hey, everyone's life has everyone's lives has not been the greatest since the second film. Uh, there's a lot of ghost PTSD. Uh, n- not everyone's doing okay. Uh, and that's pretty much the whole family. Patrick's wife's divorced him. The kids hate him. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, everyone has this, like, again, this kind of ghost PTSD, lapse in memory, trauma type of thing. And maybe worst of all, Patrick Wilson has amnesia around the events. <laughs> yeah! Our favorite plot. I don't know if you're new to the podcast, yeah. folks. Amnesia is a bit of a bugaboo when it comes with men. Yeah. Added to the compilation, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This 51st Dates, Born, yeah. all great movies. <laughs> yeah, Born's going to be the tough one returning yeah. to. But, uh, wow, you they- know, these events, uh, you know, he's he's foggy, self-described foggy. You know, he does memory exercises. And <laughs> listen, I don't know. I mean, it's just not good. This creates an off-balance character uh, trying to redeem themselves because not only does he have to regain the trust of his family, he has to figure out what he did in the first place to lose the trust. So... It's just very, it's tough. It's, it's, so I it's can build understand. Up again? Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Now, granted, he's only 50%. We focus a lot on the son, which I'll get to in just a moment. Okay. But, same son? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like same same actor. actor. Okay. Yeah, all right. Which uh, I'll give some props for. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's cool. Continuity you know, there. 13 years later or whatever. But it, it's just, I can understand Wilson in the director's chair. And then, and then running in front of the <laughs> running in front of the camera, uh, I understand that he, you know, could have seen this idea in the script and say, "Oh wow, this is like a meaningful redemption for you know this father." But why it doesn't work is that again he doesn't know what he did wrong. Yeah, that's a so, bad. 
it, the pacing is him finding out uh, out about the things, and then it's like this like sliver of the actual redemption <laughs> where a story like that about a character coming to coming to terms with their with their faults and trying to make better and and live better, uh, man. It's about it's, it's the redemption. The redemption has to be the film. <laughs> so basically, you could have taken out the whole amnesia thing and had a much better story. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, did it play to anything? Did it? Absolutely. He should have. He what it should have been is he should have remembered the events of the first two films, and that's what caused the divorce. Not him not remembering, and that's what causes the divorce. <laughs> <laughs> like, is is bad. But luckily, he splits the time on screen almost 50-50 with his son, now the fully grown Ty Simpkins. Uh, Simpkins? Yep, right. Simpkins. I think I said that right Simpkins, on the first you're, you're good time. to go. All right, all right. Who suffers from kind of a similar mental fog. Ty doesn't have time to worry about that, though. He's embarking on his first college experience as an art student, and he seems to be shut off from accessing the further. But when his art itself is, fi- is is becoming a way for him to tap into the Shadow Realm, it acts as that same beacon as before, inviting spectral forces into the world. Um, it's his artwork now, not yeah. him being in a coma. Yeah, okay. exactly. And, sl- and slowly throughout the franchise, uh, by the words of, of Lin Shay, you know, different people have different ways of accessing this. Okay. Sleepwalking is a common one. Coma, common one. Uh, red but, door? Yeah. Well, it's all the red door. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the red door. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this this switch up uh, takes the concept that we see in the first film of this child drawing some scary figures in their crayon drawings, and now it builds upon a character that is now accessing what scares him most through his art, and I think that's that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, I think the 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 whole Ty Simpkins and how that character is used and casting the same actor, I feel like that's all a good spot for this film. Yep. No. So, agreed. Agreed. Um, uh, I would say the, the that casting decision having that 13 year gap it, it, it's enjoyable in the plot i also enjoyed the change in, in 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 how we how we access certain things even around the further um and i i just feel that uh that if it was a little stronger could have really saved this film if anything we learned from watching five of these movies that there's many ways to slip into the further and i, I don't know i feel like there could have been an interesting use of maybe ty finding other characters on his own hmm. that can access the further and i don't know maybe that would be lead a slippery slope to leading into more blockbuster type of writing but i feel like there was uh, there's some potential there some of it yielded some of it not once again like chapter two the story has a false start to characters uh, that should be hitting the ground running on plot beats and instead we crawl for the first 45 minutes i mean i understand to a certain extent we have to juggle that typical college introduction before scares come that's where a lot of this divorce beats are coming into play Uh, but it just it just wastes so much time yeah you're not really looking forward to getting in once again for a third time yeah Trying to start that engine up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Patrick's acting in particular is very bad here. Um, no doubt a byproduct of him directing and acting. 
<laughs> he has uh, the worst father of the year award really goes to him. I mean, this is uh, you know plenty of scenes of just showing how bad he can mess up relationships and amnesia or not. <laughs> and and certain line delivery is just worse than ever. He literally says ghosts and goblins at one point. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, I really wasn't scared by these films. If there was anything that actually got a laugh out of me, it was ghosts and goblins. Like, <laughs> just cut the goblins. Like, it's it's never it's never been goblins, Pat. We don't. It's, it's just ghosts. It's just it's just too light. It's oh too light for for what this film is trying to be, which is a horror film. But it's really Wilson's directing here that I have a bone to pick. You'd think. As a pivotal actor in the first two films, that first film specifically, understanding how shot reverse shot works and then how they reveal the scares, you know, you think it would be easy to create that brand of the scary reveal the series is known for, but it doesn't. This film is chock full of more jump scares than ever, more than ever. Oh, that's weird way Abs- to go. Absolutely. All of a sudden. I mean, I would say the few scenes that try to recreate that buildup for the the scary reveal, um, you know, they're either fake outs or they pay off with a jump scare anyway. So what's the point? You know what I mean? Right, sure, yeah. And I just, you know, if I feel like in the scenario that you love Insidious 1 and 2, and this is like, oh, finally, the real end of the trilogy, I feel like functionally the horror feels so different. It it, it feels mm-hmm. like a different yeah. movie entirely in a lot of ways. Like it's really not hitting for anybody now. Exactly. Yeah. Just in the same way that like if an action film had a, a drastically different action style, it would feel different. The horror feels different here so thus the horror movie is different you know it's Mm -hmm. it's it's the root the core is rotten with it and i think most disappointingly after watching it um you know after watching five of these movies we see the return of our main ghost the man with fire on his face and if there was ever a reason to do another story around the family it was to give this evil monster more exposure but even that is fumbled on a on nearly every level, from scares to his look and design, and they couldn't even license the same Tiny Tim song. It's just like, what, man? Oh, really? What are you doing? It kind of like, looks like Mace Windu. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Mace Windu. Who am I thinking of? Uh, Darth Maul. Darth Maul. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oh, you know, just upset a lot of people there. You're right. You're right. Ooh, More so on just lack of Star Wars knowledge yeah. than anything. <laughs> I had it in my head, though. Yeah, yeah. No, but he looks like Darth Maul a little bit. But by the way, did... did... <laughs> Biting commentary, Tom. He looks like Darth Maul a little bit. Would you not? Would you agree? I guess so. I guess so. Also, the man... What, what is... <laughs> did they address him as the man with... What is it? Fire on his face? That's how they address him? I don't think they ever say it out loud. Lipstick, they say it a lot. Lipstick in... Demon is the name of the character. <laughs> no That's way. What, Lipstick Demon is what he's credited <laughs> by. By the way, the guy who plays him, uh-huh. Joseph Bishara, oh. the, the composer for all five films. No way! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, that? I think that's where I was slightly Compos- curious about these films, because I saw like the writer is an actor. You know, they, there, There's creative uses in the film, but... I don't think it's creative uses. I think it's such low budget. <laughs> I think light guy. What are you doing? We need get in here. Okay, come on. <laughs> that's a, that's on a stand, yeah. right? All right, get over here. <laughs> 
uh, Lipstick Demon uh, is a Darth Maul guy. Wow, wow. But anyway, uh, <laughs> not a fan of the way he looks. Not they brought him no, back. No, and, and, and just almost on every level, okay. design, the look, the scares, and then again, I mean, it sounds silly, but like they couldn't even get the same Tiny Tim song. I just feel like it's just like, man, what are you doing? Yeah. You got what? You got a, you know, you got one thing to get across, and it's the return <laughs> of this 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 ghost, man. Folks, I would say no one asked for this, and if you happen to just be a fan, I feel like, honestly, this will just lead you down more disappointment. There was aspects I really could appreciate in this film, maybe enough aspects to even have it crack 50s, but Mm. I feel like uh, I, I could not, especially as I was going over my notes, I could not shake the disappointing feeling just like I shook, or I couldn't shake with chapter two. We're gonna go ahead and give Insidious The Red Door a 31. A 31, so a tick up above the last key. <laughs> yeah. um, boy, oh boy. See, this is why it's called Blumhouse Schlock. Yes. Yeah, Blum did help give money and produce yep. the first one, but everything after that is Blumhouse Productions. Mm. Has, a, has a big role in it. Uh, this is through and through Blumhouse Schlock. No redeeming qualities almost, really. You had yeah. one good thing to say about the actress in maybe one and a half of the films. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, wow. Like I said, unbelievably, extremely successful, though. So all films, including the latest fifth one, mm-hmm. total $42.5 million budget wow. for five films. It's made, to date, $610 million. <laughs> and it's probably, I wouldn't be surprised if it makes another 60 on top of that. So probably wow. somewhere around six $675 million. Right. For less than $45 million budget. You know, that... Insane. In the weeks coming up, you said, you know, are we really doing Insidious? I mean, there's the answer. Folks, (laughs) we're doing Insidious. Exactly. That is, I would... (laughs) I give that an A plus as far as impressions of me. (laughs) That's exactly what I said. Um, Okay, but uh, like I said, that's why... But that's why one of my first questions today was... This is the last one? Like, this is this actually the last one? Yeah, I guess who knows? They're printing money, you know? <laughs> so true, so true. I mean, if we get another one, you know, maybe it'll just be more ghost adventures, but I think everyone's getting real old. Everyone's getting, you know... You think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, but I... Never say never yeah. with Blumhouse, and uh, especially with those numbers. I mean, that that's huge. So, All right. Well, we'll just see how it goes. Vin, looking at these just god-awful scores, uh, <laughs> anything you want to touch on, anything you want to add, or looking to the future, roll credits here. Um, I, I, I think one note I had was actually for a trailer. And I, I want, oh, oh, yes. we'll, we'll okay. maybe like follow up on it for next week. Do you think, mm. and I actually don't know if you said, uh, you saw this or not. I should have probably sent it to you. Do you think the Haunted Mansion, the Disney Haunted Mansion. Oh, I Mansion, saw it. All right. Uh, good or bad? Uh, horrible. Oh, okay. <laughs> horrible. All right. Okay. All right. I mean, I had the big write-up on Disney on the newsletter. Yeah, it was my yeah. leading story of how just horrible they're doing. <laughs> and it's just like, what, is a Haunted Mansion going to save you this right, year? I don't think not. so. But, I think the biggest question is, how bad is it going to tank compared to all the other films that it's tanked? I think that's a great question. Like, Elemental, that would be fun. That's actually really great. Yeah, what's the... We what's should place the, bets on that. The most... <laughs> it would be light year, you know what I mean? I'd lose every bet like that, though. I, I, I'm not a... I, you know, I am not a production head like that. Let's I, just say, okay, we'll verbalize it then. We, yeah. won't, we won't shake on it, but <laughs> as far as the past two years of failures for Disney so yep. far... Where, what is it going to most compare to? Lightyear, Strange World, Little Mermaid. Mm. Mermaid might have actually technically made some money, okay. but okay. after marketing, I really don't think so. Yeah. 
Uh, and the rule of thumb there is like uh, double or something like that as far as budget. Yeah, they say you need to be over double, yeah, yeah. because basically that takes care of... You have the main cost of the film, mm-hmm. then half of it goes to the theater, and mm-hmm. then you figure another one goes to the marketing. Yeah. So after you double it, typically you're good to go. But for instance, Elemental, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was $200 million budget and like it's dozens of millions of, uh, of marketing. Mm. What's his face? Dial of Destiny? Mm. I think it was $250, $280 million okay. budget, $100 million on top of that just for marketing. <sighs> Just and they to, needed it. They needed more. Them, apparently. <laughs> they needed more. Anyway, I say Haunted Mansion is going to do just as bad as Strange World. Uh, let's put a number to it. I'm going to say Haunted Mansion does $50 million. Ooh, no, that sounds okay. too much. I'm going to say $30 million. Okay. Lock it in. All right. Total? Wait, are we talking <laughs> worldwide or U.S.? Uh, just U.S. Okay, what are you saying? $30 million? Okay. You think that's too much? Yeah, I would love to actually bet real money on this. We should bet a movie. We should bet a movie review on this. If you win, you continue oh. to pick whatever movie you want. If I win, you have to throw in a movie I want right. you to watch. All right. See, I'm not confident with the thirty million. I'm not good with this. All right, just for the sake of the uh, sake of sportsmanship, thirty million over under. <laughs> I don't know how they want over over under is going to work on it. Are going to do one dollar me? Like if I say no. forty one million <laughs> and it 30. makes forty point nine, you win then. <sighs> Definitely not. Definitely. Who's ever close? Let's just go. Who's ever closest? Whoever's closest. What's your What's your lock in? Okay. You're, what are you? Thirty. Thirty. Okay. Um. I will go seventy eight. Okay. U S. Right. That's That's a good spread. Okay. That's good. And then four. So what am I making you watch a movie then if you lose? Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All oh, right. You get to pick a movie for me I that see. I have to right. watch. Right. I'm gonna do four that week then. <laughs> You're doing the full movie. <laughs> no, then. no. You're just saying if I'm gonna watch this crap and City of Six comes out, you, I get to, I get to watch it. Okay. We're doing Saw Ten then it's, for that one. It's on the podcast, so everybody knows now. That's the deal. I said there seventy-eight. Been said thirty. Stone. And um, I'm losing. Okay, and, and we got what's coming up next week? We got uh, Mission. Mission Impossible. So, folks, follow along. Uh, you can catch Tom up. Cruise is going to be tuning in. You can catch up on them on Paramount if you want. So, if you got Paramount yeah. Plus, and I think actually. Uh, They're like all there, too. Uh, Disney nice. might have some. Not Disney. There's another streaming service that has some as well. Yeah. So, we did one and two already last mm-hmm. week or two weeks ago. Yep. That's right. Uh, so, we're going to do three, two, seven. seven. Yep. That's our five slot right yep. there. So. I'm really excited for it. I think people are going to be listening are going to be excited for it. But that will be next week, folks. So watch them if you want. Follow along with Vin, whatever. Vin, thank you so much for stopping by and and, and spending some time with us here with these (laughs) films. Folks at home will run it down one more time. We have Insidious with the 44%. Insidious Chapter 2 with the 25. Insidious Chapter 3 with the 54. Insidious The Last Key with the 30. And Insidious The Red Door with the 31%. Folks, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch, or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, Become a producer and go to the donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you receive from us. We're looking to build this into something large and great, folks, but we also want to be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.